0: It's always fun uh, to be able to be here and to speak to you guys, and uh, most of you know enough of me by now that Neil, I don't even know if he asked me for a title. He was just like, I'm looking forward to Wednesday evening Bible study, (laughs) because that's kind of where we are. Whenever I speak, I just kind of want to take a few moments and dive into the Word. We were having such great praise and worship over here. And we were singing. I was by Betty, and we were just singing out. And Betty, I realized about halfway through "Gratitude" that Ashley was leading, that she sings in a much higher key than I sing. But I'm trying to stay with her, and I'm just singing out, singing out. And by the end of the song, I'm going, "I think I've I've sung out." <laughs> so, so during the next song, I'm like clearing my throat, and and it's a, that's a good way to lose your voice. But I enjoyed worship tonight, and uh, it was. It was good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so I guess it's been three weeks ago, Pastor, you had a shot put in your eye, and uh, I was able to speak, and so we had just a little bit of fun before, (laughs) Brad's already shaking his head, (laughs) we had a little bit of fun before uh, we dove into the Word, and here we go again. So if you were here, you know what I'm going to do. We're going to do a little um, Bible Trivia and it's guys versus girls, and so it's the first correct answer that I hear. You don't have to raise your hand. Just shout out the correct answer, and we're going to hope that I can get it right, that it was either a guy or a girl. Mark it down. Here's the rule. If you shout it out and you get it right, you're ineligible for the next question, okay? Give everybody else a shot at this. All right, ladies, gentlemen, here we go. Who was known as the disciple whom Jesus loved? I heard a female voice. Was that your voice? Okay. Man, she was quick on the draw. Sarah got that one. All right, Sarah, you're out. Just for this one, though. Okay. Girls have a commanding one to nothing lead. Name the brother of Mary and Martha. Lazarus, Josiah, got that. And Sarah, you're back in. Josiah's out. What book of the Bible follows Job? Psalms right there. And then the ladies are back in the lead just like that. Who became Israel's leader after Moses died? Joshua. Lisa, was that you? Lisa. All right. And you're back in now. You can answer. Lisa's out. Ladies, three. Guys, not three. Uno. (laughs) All right. So this, I will accept one of two answers here. Okay? So keep that in mind. What is the shortest verse in the Bible? Sarah. Somebody said it louder, but she said it first. Does anyone know the reference for that? Just for fun, I would have accepted the reference too. No? No? Jesus wept. How can that be in Psalms? <laughs> I'm going I'm to pick on her because I can. John eleven thirty five. 35. John eleven thirty five. 35. That was the story of um, Jesus going to the tomb to see Lazarus. And he actually wept. And so there's a great teaching there. The emotional side of the man, Jesus. Anyway, I'll move on. <clears throat> Ladies, four. Guys, one. There's going to be a comeback. I can feel it. Robert, do you feel it? I feel it. He's shaking his head. All right. What, I'm sorry. uh, Yeah, what son of David became the third king of Israel? Solomon, thank you. Josiah helping out with the guys there a little bit. Four to two. This is a three-word answer. What does Emmanuel mean? Right there, Jay. (laughs) You get beat up for getting the right answer. And now it's four to three. She just smacked him. Oh, okay, okay. Four to three. Jay, you're out on this one. Who wrote the book of Acts? Incorrect. Luke did. Luke, and it's four to four. Four to four. Well, I have two questions left. So this is fascinating. Mm. Who was the king of Babylon who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace? Did somebody say it over here? Okay. It was so quiet. You didn't want to interrupt me, but I heard a little... (laughs) Speaking in tongues at me. All right. So, and you're out this last question. So it's either going to be a tie... Or the guys are going to take it tonight. Because this is the last question. Right now the score is five for the guys and four for the ladies. Oh. Oh. Charlie, are you ready? <laughs> what was Matthew's occupation before he became a disciple? <laughs> I don't know. I heard you. But there was someone else that said it at the same time. It, so two ladies said it. At, okay. So, we'll take that. He was a tax collector. I love Matthew's character in The Chosen. The guy that plays Matthew does such a great job. All right, well, congratulations, you're all winners. Final score was fun to fun. (laughs) If you have your Bibles tonight, turn to Old Testament book, one of the major prophets, Isaiah. Isaiah. (laughs) I could drop the mic, but I'm not going to. Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. The ladies here at Grace have been in a Bible study on Mondays, and they've been going through the book of Isaiah. And that's not why I chose Isaiah tonight. I chose Isaiah because I was in prayer time about two weeks ago, and And the Lord said, hey, get a pen and paper and start jotting down some notes because in due time, you're going to need to know this. And so tonight, we're going to get in this together. Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to look at four verses. I do encourage this. If you do have a thought or something that that you'd like to share for the edification of the body, uh, feel free to do that. I'm not asking you then to preach the sermon, but if you have something to share that Uh, It'd be beneficial. Please do. Just raise your hand, let me know, and uh, we'll enjoy that together. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. I'd like to read this for you guys. The last four verses of Isaiah 40. Isaiah says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Verse 29, he gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Verse 30, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. 31's kind of the, the highlight. This is what the chapter is pointing to. Verse 31, 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What a great portion of Scripture that Isaiah lays out for us here. And there are great words of encouragement, words that challenge us, and just some thoughts that I'd like for us to glean from tonight. Um, pastor's talking about, he, he talks about the Passion Bible and its translation and how, how personal and down to earth that it is. Um, as I was looking at this, I, you know, the Passion Bible is uh, New Testament. They have that available for New, New Testament. And I think like maybe Psalms and Proverbs, just a couple others. They don't have a lot of the Old Testament. And so just for us tonight, I thought that I would pretend like that I'm a writer, for the Passion Bible, and I thought we could just look at some of these verses. So verse 28, I think, I think that it would go something like this. Come on now, people. Surely you know, surely you've heard, even though many have not heard and they do not know, they are unaware of God's words, his plan, his desire, and his love. And that's a sad truth as, you know, as we're watching The Sound of Freedom, Jenny and I, we're, we're just in awe. It's not even that people don't know the Lord. It's that they are just working everything that they can in their power against the Lord. They're not even going in, in, in a nice moral direction. It's so sad, the, the reprobate mind and the degeneration of our society. And that wouldn't be the case if people knew and understood the plan, the love, the desire that God has for them. That they don't have to go searching in all the wrong places. And this is why we come to church. It's very vital that we get together as believers and we agree together that we are chasing after Jesus. We get encouraged from each other. We get uplifted through worship. We get challenged through the word. And I've heard it most, of, if not all of my life. And so I know it's been going on for years and decades and centuries. But the statement, I don't need to go to church to get closer to God. Most everybody that I know that has said that to me, they don't live a life of someone that's victorious They don't live a life of someone who is experiencing all that God has for them. It's not that, you know, we can look at certain things that people are doing and and kind of be, you know, like this movie, be turned off, be disgusted by it. But the truth is, no matter what you're doing that doesn't line up with the word, it's just not God's best for you. And don't you want God's best? I mean, I can only speak for me. I want God's best. I want his blessing and I want his favor and I want his grace. And, and I want what he has in store for me. The Bible says his plans for me are for my good, not for my evil. But if I choose wrong choices, then I'm pushing away those great plans that he has for me. I say, no, God, I don't want that. That's the problem with people in, in hell. They have said, God, I don't want that. I don't want your love. I don't want your plan. I want to do it. who's who saying it? Was it Frank Sinatra? I did it my way. They they want their way. And that doesn't work. And the Bible says sin has its pleasure for a season, but after a while it loses its luster. Personal quiet time, very important. If you are relying on pastor to fill you up on Sunday and think that that is all that God has for you, you're sadly mistaken. That's not his job. It's your job on a daily basis to get closer to God and to get into his word and to spend time with him and to trust him that he has got those good plans for you. I encourage good friend groups because you can come to church on Sunday and have a great experience, but on Monday, if you're still running with the wrong crowd they're, they're gonna be able to influence you and they're gonna be able to turn you. And so friend groups are, are important. I encourage, I, I love the ladies Bible study. I love what, they, what you guys stand for. Uh, I love our morning Saturday men's prayer. We Just get together. It is a good thing for, for brethren to dwell together in unity and to get together and, and to seek the Lord and say, I want more, you know, and, and I, I wanna be, I want to be an encouragement, and I want to be encouraged, both. And that's what small groups like ladies' Bible study or men's prayer, that's what they do. They're so very valuable. We need these things in our life so that we can be reminded of what Isaiah said. Have you not known Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of all things. And this is something that, you know, unless you realize that, there is a god that he created you that he has a plan and purpose for you i was talking to a, a fella this evening at the gym and it was just we were just small talking i invited him to church tonight and he was just mentioning he's like you know i know one of these days i'm going to die and he said i don't even know what it's like to be a ghost i don't know how long i can be a ghost and just you know, live that afterlife. And I was just going, oh, my goodness, I don't really have the time to sit and tell you. I'm so sorry that you think that way. You're, you're deceived. You're, you're not educated. And ignorant simply means you just don't know. It's not calling someone stupid. It just means they don't know. He didn't know any better. And so he needed to know that there's a God who created him, who loves him. We have so many people now that don't realize God created them because they want to change what God's done. They're not happy with who they are or who God's created them to be, so they want to be something else, you know, a houseplant or a cat or something. And it's, if you understand that there's a God who is your creator, then you look at things differently. It's all in perspective, and that's what Isaiah said. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. His understanding is unsearchable. The truth is that you and I get tired, weary, wore down, and we feel like giving up but he never does. His love never fails. It never never runs out on me. Verse 29, I think in the Passion Bible it would say, God is the giver and the sustainer of power and strength. When you and I are weak, he is the one who provides power, strength to keep on going. I'm so thankful that the strength that he provides is not limited to just physical. Yes, physical strength is phenomenal. I love love it when I feel energized. I don't like it when I'm tired, when I'm lethargic, when I just don't feel like getting off the couch. That's no fun. And Satan will use stuff like that. I know Sunday mornings are probably the most lethargic morning of the week. But I could just stay in, and I could just stay in my pajamas and just sip my coffee. And, you know, during COVID, we did everything we could to continue to spread and reach with the Internet. But then what happened? Well, everyone got comfortable with that, and everybody got kind of lazy. And so I would see people here once every you know, third or fourth week, and I'd say, hey, I've been missing you. Well, we caught service Sunday, last Sunday. We, uh, we stayed in, we slept in, we, we, had, uh, we had a late night Saturday, and so we just slept in. And, you know, that's an option, but it was too easy of an option. And so I just remember when we decided uh, in, in leadership, the discussion came forth, and we still post uh, our gatherings on the next day, but we don't make them available on Facebook live because too many people was just chilling and when when you're not here you're missed when you're not here it's really tough for god to work through you it's it's such a challenge so you need to be here in order to be a blessing in order to be blessed it's, yeah go ahead it, it does hebrews uh ten twenty five i believe and that's a very important. Uh, I mean, Paul, whoever wrote Hebrews, I've always said that I think Paul wrote Hebrews, but the writer of Hebrews definitely lays it out there. And it's not just a suggestion. Right. He's like, it's very important, it's very vital. Um, God provides strength mentally, emotionally, financially, and spiritually, not just physically. I'm so very thankful. Man, in those times where I feel. The Bible says, when my heart is overwhelmed, Psalm 61, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I'm so thankful that when when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against it. And God is for you, and he loves you. And times, I think of Lisa, who recently just has gone through a very traumatic emotional experience. Only God. That's just but God. We can do everything we can to try to rally around her. But God is the giver of strength. He is the sustainer. He is the hope giver. Verse 30, Isaiah says, Older people, don't feel like you're the only ones who wear out. Jay, sometimes being under the sink for six hours can provide cramps and pains and challenges. And you may say, oh, if I was only 30 years younger, I'd be able to attack this. this. No. Jay's had fun the last few days at, at the house. But guess what, Jay? Even young people get tired. Even youth, they wear out. And, uh, and one of the guys, it was this fellow that I was talking to at the gym. I invite him to church, and I said, hey. I said, what are you doing tonight? He was telling me he's got some plans. He said, why? And I said, I would love to use you as an object lesson because he's a bigger fella." And he had on the sleeveless shirt. And I said, I would love to have you come up here and, and just stand here and for me to be like, this guy can go for three hours at the gym, but even he wears out. There's a time where he's like, I'm just done. I'm spent. I'm going to go home. It, it doesn't matter your age. Fatigue challenges us all, okay? It may take uh, us a, a, just not a, a long amount of time to get wore out. I say us, we that get older. But the Bible says, get this, don't feel like older people. You're the only ones who wear out. Even the young, strong, vibrant people get tired and feel like giving up. You guys know I'm a sports fanatic. Years ago, the Rams won the Super Bowl. This was years and years ago when they were in St. Louis. They won the Super Bowl, um, and there's a very famous clip. They drafted this fella. His name was Kevin Carter. He was a defensive end, and he was larger than life. And they drafted him high, like first round, and he had a great year. And here they are in the Super Bowl, and they're winning by seven points. And the Titans are going up against the Rams, and the Titans are driving. And they're at the 50, and the 40, and the 30, and they need a touchdown to tie the game. And the clock's down under a minute. And we get down to like 16, I don't know, there was like under 10 seconds left in the game. And there was just time for one more play. And and here, big Kevin Carter, number 93, he comes stumbling off the field. And the coach is miked. And so the coach goes, Kevin, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's like, I'm tired, coach. I'm tired. He's like, it's the last play of the Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? Come on, get everything that you got. Get back in there. And he's, oh, I'm tired, coach. I just can't do it. And Coach Vermeil was so stunned. He's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Come on, of all times, I need you in there. But the truth is, even the number one pick, Kevin Carters of the world, they get tired. They get They get drained. But, here's the good news, and we have just a few minutes, and we're going to spend it in verse 31. Isaiah starts verse 31 with, but. Because he spent three verses saying, you're going to get tired, you're going to get drained, you're going to get wore down, you're going to get burnt out. It happens to the best of us. Don't be discouraged thinking that you're just, you just—you don't have anything left to give, that you just can't bless anyone. You have nothing else in your ministry, in your love. You've smiled all you can smile. You've said all the kind words you can say. You're tired, you're done. Every kid in that classroom has stressed you out, and you are just done. And Isaiah says, but, but, but. And the, the verse, verse 31, one of the most quoted verses, it's been used in song lyrics. It's been used in sermon after sermon after sermon. It's been used back in the day when they used to have Gospelland Bookstore, and you walk in and you could find a lovely picture with this verse on it. Isaiah desires that we acknowledge that there is a time we're going to get tired. We're all going to experience that, but there is good news. And here we go. The word that I think of when I hear of Isaiah forty thirty one is the word wait. The Hebrew word is kavah. It's an active verb translated to wait. The definition of kavah is this, and it's lengthy. So I may read it twice. You guys hang on to me. Hang on. To be aware through all of your senses of what is occurring around you and then discerning, determining, and judging the right time to do the next right thing. I mean, I was writing this down. I thought this is so good. Determining through all all of the senses what is occurring around you and then discerning, determining, and judging the right time to do the next right thing. Waiting is a spiritual discipline which builds character. Patience is a virtue. The picture that the Hebrew writer gives here for Kavah is children on Christmas morning waiting to open their presents. Look at this face. Is that one for me? Let's take a look at the next picture. <laughs> I'm here. Your mom comes in. Billy, are you in here? I'm here. I'm right here. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, it's Christmas. So this is a positive expectation of good. This is a hope. This is a wait that we know that we can trust the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. We can trust him because he has good and perfect things for us. We are waiting Christmas morning. Kids don't wait Christmas morning with a depleted face. It's Christmas again. Presents under the tree. I bet some of them are for me. This is just awful. That's not how it goes. They're so ex- excited. They're, they're hoping. They're, they're waiting. This is exactly what God wants us to do. Because we don't know the next season that we're going to be in. We don't know tomorrow. We don't even know just a few moments from now. But what we can do is say, God, I trust you in the period that I'm in, in this season in this waiting, God, I trust you. There was a very, there's, there is a very famous sermon by Charles Spurgeon, and the title of the sermon is "On Patience." And I fell in love with this sermon when I was about twenty-one, uh, my junior year of college. The assignment wasn't to study the sermon, the assignment was to memorize the sermon. And so I spent days and weeks and months analyzing and studying and preparing for our final. And in this sermon, Charles Spurgeon says, Impatient people water their miseries and hoe up their comforts. And I had to chew on that for days and days and days. I got to chew on that for days and days and days. People that don't understand that God has a plan and that this is a season and that you can't rush God because God's timing is perfect. How are you gonna rush perfection? But the impatient person looks at the bad and goes out every morning and waters that and feeds it. Oh, this is the worst part of my life. This is where I'm going to complain all day. Right here. I'm going to water it so it'll grow. And they go up here to their comforts and the blessings and the good. And they're going to hoe that up. It's not growing fast enough. It's taking up too much space. I'm going to get that out of my life. This, This is the picture. This is what happens. We have problems waiting. It's not in our flesh. It's not in the DNA of our flesh to wait and be patient. Waiting is acknowledging that God's timing is the best timing. I did see a picture this week studying this. It was so good. It was a still picture, and it was a, it was a cartoon. And so you had this person that was coming down the stairs anxiously, and when they got to the bottom of the stairs they were going to be met by a couple walls and they were going to have to walk through a doorway. And on the other side of the doorway, they couldn't see what was happening. And God had peeked around the corner and was putting his hand out. And on the other side, Satan had a club. And he was just ready to, to just nail that person. The person couldn't see all, anything but the hand of God. And the person had to choose. Am I going to go ahead and go green light down the stairs because this is what I feel like that I'm supposed to do? Not knowing that Satan is waiting as a trap because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the person had to choose. Do I trust the hand of God that says wait? Wait or do I go ahead and do what I wanna do? I had a um, very real and genuine um, relationship when I was a senior in high school with a young lady who I went to school with and it was my first taste of love. And she was everything. And I was convinced even in the midst of my close walk with God I was convinced that she was the one. And so I was just ready for us to finish high school go off to college together get engaged get married have a nice house with a white picket fence 2.75 kids and a dog. And it Didn't work out that way. And in the midst of my great passion for her, she called me. I can tell you the day and the date and the time. And she said those words that hurt and cut to the core. I think we should see other people. And that rocked my world. And I cried out to God because I was convinced this was his best for me. But it's easy for me 30 plus years later to look back and see the hand of God holding me back. And not, you know, there's a, there's a lyric in a song that gets a lot of <laughs> negative light, but it, it's in, uh, blessed be the name, and the, the bridge is you give and take away. And we're singing to God, you give and take away. And it's a verse in the Bible that Job said. Job said, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And that was the moment in my life where I said, God, I thank you that you're trustworthy. I, I don't understand all this, and it hurts a lot. But you're trustworthy. And if she's not what is best for me, I thank you that she's been removed from my life. Now, it wasn't my choice. I wanted to keep her, but God knew better and God allowed for some things to happen. And I look back at my wife and my four wonderful kids and I say, God, thank you for taking that, that relationship away because it, it probably would have ended up wrong. I probably would have been put in too many situations that I couldn't have handled. So thank you, I can trust you. You're trustworthy. You're like a good, good father. Yeah, good, good father didn't let me have all the candy bars I wanted. Sometimes he said, Come on, give me those. Because I know better. I said, I trust you. I trust you, God. Esau was impatient. You guys, I don't know if you remember the story or not of Esau, but Esau was the firstborn and he had rights to the blessing from the father, the birthright. But he came in and he was all hungry. And Jacob said, I'll fix you some food, his younger brother. said, I'll fix you some food if you sell me your birthright. And Esau said, I'm so hungry right now, I don't really care about that birthright. Fix me some food and you can have it. And so Esau sacrificed the permanent on the altar of temporary. He sacrificed something that was going to last him and his family and his genealogy forever. Because right here, right now, I want it my way. It's the J.G. Wentworth. Do you guys know? It's my money and I want it now. That's the mentality that Satan wants us all to have. Not the wait on God because he knows what's best. I want my money now. I was pulling out of Bud and Linda Coleman's house. I had gone there to meet up with a friend and I bought my first set of golf clubs, Pastor. And so we met at Bud and Linda's. I bought the clubs And as I was pulling out, it was about 9.30 at night. I was pulling out on the highway there at Percy from Bud and Linda's. And my car, which was flawless, didn't have any problems with it, it died. I pulled it to the stop sign and it died. And I mean, just as quick as I could wrinkle up my nose and say, what a car that I did not see coming from Percy out toward the Percy T. Going 70. Shoo! I said, oh my goodness. Thank you, God. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I didn't know it was there. My car started right up and didn't die again. I trust my good, good father. I don't say, well, this is just a bunch of bull. The car shouldn't have died. I paid good money for this and I take care of it. God, I trust you. I trust you. Um, In the couple minutes we have left, I want to show you a little video and let you listen to a little song from a very famous movie. And the name of the movie is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And the name of the character that's going to be singing this song is Veruca. Can we play hey, Daddy, that, I
1: want a golden goose. Here we go again. All right, sweetheart, all right. Daddy will get you a golden goose as soon as we get home. No, I want one of those. Bunker, how much do you want for the golden goose? They're not for sale. Name the price. She can't have one. Who says I can't? The man with a funny hat. I want one. I want a golden goose. Gooses, geeses. I want my geese to lay gold eggs for Easter It will, sweetheart At least a hundred a day Anything you say And by the way what? I want a feast You ate before you came to the factory I want a bean feast One oh, of those Cream buns and doughnuts And fruitcake with no nuts So good you could go nuts You're going to have all those things when you get home No, now! I want a ball I want a party Pink macaroons and a million balloons And performing baboons and give it to me (laughs) Now I want the world I want the whole world I want to lock it all up in my pocket It's my bar of chocolate, give it to me now I want today, I want tomorrow I want to wear them like braids in my hair And I don't want to share them I want a party with roomfuls of laughter, 10,000 tons of ice cream, and if I don't get the things I am after, I'm going to scream. I want the whole works presents and prizes and sweets and surprises of all shapes and sizes And now, don't care how I want it now Don't care how I want it now
0: Classic line She was a bad egg She was a bad egg <laughs> She was a bad egg, oh my goodness Lord, help me never to be like that in the midst of the plan that he has for me. Let me not say, yeah, but God, your timing is off. I want it now. Real quick, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. What do you do in the midst of a season where you're waiting? What what do you do? And I got the answer for you. Can I take you to your table, sir? Could I get you guys something to drink? Would you like some appetizer? Something to start out with this evening? If there's anything you need, my name is John. I'll be your server this evening. I'll be happy to wait on you. God, I I don't know what the next step is. That's fine. Serve, bless, minister, love on others. How, How do you wait on God? Jesus said in, in Matthew 25, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. And the people said, Well, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or when, when were you in prison? When were you naked? When did, when did you need all this? And Jesus said, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. One of the great jobs I have here at church is if someone calls or shows up and needs food, we have a food pantry. It's just a need, but they're Jesus. It's just Jesus walking in and he needs something. And we're there to serve and wait and bless. Jesus said in Mark 9, 41, even a cup of cold water given in my name will not lose its reward. One of the greatest stories that Jesus told is in Luke 10. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. And all that the Good Samaritan did, even though this person was unknown to him and bruised and bloody and beaten, and it could have been a trap, the priest and the Levite said, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And the Samaritan said, I'll take care of him. I'll, I'll clear my schedule. I'll put him on my uh, animal. I'll ride him into town. I'll put him up at the hotel and have a doctor come look at him. And I'll tell the keeper of the hotel, if there's any charge, I'll take care of it when I get back. This is how you wait. Jesus, before he was betrayed and crucified, waited till all the disciples got in. And he took off his robe. And he got a towel. And he went to Peter and John and James and Matthew and Judas and bent down and washed their feet and he said if I am your Lord and I've shown you how to serve how much more should you go out and be willing to serve and love and bless others So while you're waiting for whatever big blessing God has in store for you or whatever big decision is right around the corner or the the season that you're in, however you're waiting, find ways to wait and bless and serve. God, we just thank you so much for the power of your word. It's transforming. It changes us beyond belief. Thank you for these few verses in Isaiah we can glean from and we can realize that our strength isn't in us. It's in you. We're going to be patient and we're going to serve. And we're going to do it because that's what you've called us to do. It's part of being a Christian, being Christ-like and showing spiritual growth is to heed your word. And that's what we're going to do. Thank you for this evening. Pray your blessing on the remainder of our week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Have a good weekend.